Hello and welcome to the Eating Disorder Therapist podcast. This is a podcast to help you find peace with food and overcome disordered eating. And I'm Harriet Frew, aka the Eating Disorder Therapist, and I'm so excited to share with you all kinds of stories, tips, information and guest interviews to help you on your journey in finding peace with food. So thank you so much for listening today. Now today I'm speaking to Eileen Smith, a somatic experiencing practitioner whose work is rooted in the principles of attachment theory and Eastern philosophies. She integrates several modalities into her practice, including talking, touch work and movement to help clients develop deeper and safer relationships within and increase capacities for resilience and joy. Eileen is the author of Moving Beyond Trauma, The Roadmap to Healing from Your Past and Living with Ease and Vitality, an Amazon bestseller that shows readers how to bring the body into the trauma healing process. Her writing on psychology and wellness has appeared in Mind Body Green, Spirituality and Health, Psych Central, Project Heal and Brooke Burke's Modern Mum. She holds master's degrees in mental health counselling and exercise physiology, is a certified professional coach through the Grow Training Institute and completed the three-year training programme with Somatic Experiencing Institute founded by Peter Levine. In addition to her private practice, Eileen offers workshops on trauma healing and conducts research on somatic experiencing for eating disorder treatment. She makes her home in Arizona and loves to travel, collect art, cycle and practice yoga in her spare time. In this episode, we're going to be exploring how Eileen came to work in eating disorders and her journey into doing this valuable work. Then we'll be focusing on eating disorders and trauma, this being a part in recovery that is often overlooked. This is an essential part of healing self-destructive and maladaptive eating disorder behaviours by looking at trauma that in the short term give relief from emotional pain but in the long term lead to a vicious cycle of shame and disappointment which are then these feelings are managed and triggered by more eating disorder behaviors the energy of trauma often gets trapped in the nervous system and it's so important to heal this unresolved trauma to restore the nervous system again Eileen is going to talk about the practice of doing this and the importance of bringing the body into the healing process for sustainable eating disorder recovery. I'm really looking forward to talking with Eileen today. Let's get to the conversation. Hi, Eileen. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to having a chat about eating disorders and trauma. It's probably one of my favorite topics to talk about in regards to nervous system regulation. So really, thank you. Oh, well, wonderful. I'm really looking forward to the conversation too. So Eileen, please, could you introduce yourself to the listeners? Sure. So my name is Eileen Smith. I'm a somatic experiencing practitioner, which I'll explain a little bit about as we move through this. I have a master's in mental health counseling and exercise physiology. And I wrote a book called Moving Beyond Trauma, The Roadmap to Living with Ease and Vitality. And I truly work with trauma and the nervous system and approach my therapeutic approach is probably more of a what I call a bottom-up approach versus a top-down with traditional therapies. That's a little bit about who I am and, and what I do. Okay, thank you. 
And Eileen, your home is in Arizona, is that right? Yes, correct. In Scottsdale, Arizona. Yeah, sure. So sorry, it's a slight tangent, but I was just sort of fascinated by that because I just almost think Arizona is just like a really beautiful, amazing part of the world. Oh, it is. It is. I feel lucky. I've lived here 18 years and I just, my quality of life being here is just phenomenal. And I'm a nature girl, so I can walk out my door in 10 minutes. I can be in in the mountains and hike. It's just really quite wonderful. Mm, Yeah, no, sure. No, thank you for sharing that. I think myself, I've been to Arizona once many years ago, and it really is quite a magical place. Yeah, it is, is for sure. So Eileen, your work is rooted in the principles of attachment theory and Eastern philosophies. Could you tell us a little bit about your own journey to sort of working in eating disorders and mental health and how you came to do this? Sure. Got it. Where do I start? So, well, I'm going to actually tell my story, I guess, from a trauma-focused lens so that that'll kind of lead us into, into the work that I do. So I grew up in a fairly chaotic environment, but my traumas started really early. I obviously, when my mom was pregnant with me, she had two young boys and she had had her own trauma. So in her life and in her childhood. So I'm in utero with a woman who has a completely dysregulated nervous system. And when the nervous system is dysregulated by the mom, the baby's nervous system develops with a lot more stress hormones and a lot of cortisol and adrenaline. So I think I showed up in the world with a slightly dysregulated nervous system. And then when I was a year and a half and three years old, I had two eye surgeries. So more trauma to my body and also anesthesia is very traumatizing to anybody's body. Mm-hmm. So then I, you know, growing up, it was just, I grew up in a very chaotic environment. My parents knew how to communicate through yelling I and mean, I never really felt safe. So by the time I was 13 or 14, I started having body image issues and I was very body focused and I was very hyper aware of my body. I used to get a lot of stomach aches. And by the time I got to college, I had in that transition from home to college is really hard when there's been a lot of trauma, our ability to adjust Mm -hmm. and is much more difficult. I wound up with a full-blown eating disorder and that pretty much lasted for, I'd say the next 15, 20 years. I mean, now I'm 53 and I'm in recovery, but I consider it recovery because, you know, it's about, you know, I'm constantly working to keep myself regulated. So I don't wind up back in an eating disorder. So how did I get to this work? I went back to school for a master's in mental health counseling in my early forties. And I'd also been in therapy for 20 years. And as I was finishing up my degree, I was doing an internship at an eating disorder clinic. And several of the clinicians were trained in somatic experiencing. So I got really curious about it. And I decided to do the three-year training. I went to the first training just to check it out and see what it was. And this light bulb went off. It was sort of this aha moment that all of our mental health, good percent, I'm going to say all, much of our mental health issues really come from unresolved trauma and the unresolved trauma leading us to a dysregulated nervous system, which leads us to using maladaptive behaviors 
to try to cope with all the discomfort that we feel within ourselves. And, you know, I say that, that, you know, most of our mental health issues come from trauma because it also, when we've had trauma, it also changes our body chemistry and how our bodies sort of manage all our, our stress physiology. So I don't know if you're familiar with the ACE studies. Yes, I am. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So for just for your listeners, the ACE studies are the adverse childhood experience studies, and they polled, I believe, over 20,000 people. And what they learned is that the more adverse childhood experiences a person has, the greater chances they have of mental and physical health issues as they move into adulthood. So I think that tells us a lot about our mental health and our stress physiology. So the work with somatic experiencing is really, it's really about bringing the body into the healing process. And I like to use this example and it, because somatic experience was developed by a man named Peter Levine, actually Dr. Peter Levine. And what he was trying to understand was that why animals in the wilds don't get traumatized and people do. And so what he learned was that animals have this innate ability to just shake off the trauma and move on. And what the shaking off the trauma is, is really an ability to reset the nervous system and restore their sense of safety in their body and move on. And so actually human beings have the same innate need, except, you know, our brains get in the way of letting our bodies do organically what we need to do to create safety. Because trauma is not really necessarily about an event. It's really about the energy that gets locked in our body around real or perceived threat. And so every human being has a different level of resiliency. And so 10 people can have the same experience and have 10 different reactions. So I think that tells us a lot about trauma's impact on our nervous systems. So I know that was a mouthful, but I hope that explains a little bit about what I do and how it works. Thank you so much for sharing that, Eileen. I think what really struck me as well as like when you were talking about when your mother was pregnant with you, how she was experiencing quite a lot of stress. And from, you know, being like a baby, you know, when your mum's carrying you, how one's nervous system is sort of set from those very, very early days. Yeah, it's interesting. Something as simple as a baby having a vaginal birth and the baby pushing off the vaginal walls is regulating for a baby's nervous system. So yeah, it happens early on. And, you know, it's our parents' job to help us co-regulate, right? As a baby, we don't know how to do that on our own. We're relying on our primary caregiver to do that for us. And I don't know about you, but I, you know, working in the eating disorder world, I've never met an eating disorder patient that didn't have a history of trauma. And what I've learned over time is that, you know, focusing on things like body image, doesn't get us to the finish line. We have to resolve the trauma to bring the nervous system back into regulation. And we have to work on that interoceptive piece, which is how we experience our body from the inside out and create more of a safe space in the body to be able to regulate so that we're not using food or you know, eating disorder behaviors as a way to regulate a dysregulated nervous system. Mm, yeah, no, thank you for sharing that. 
And I think what's so interesting, isn't it? And I'm sure this is similar in the US to in the UK, but so many of our approaches in terms of treating eating disorders are much more symptom focused mm-hmm. and, you know, not often giving the person the time or the space to be able to sort of, you know, do that deeper work, which, you know, obviously has its limitations. Yeah. And so, you know, there's been a notion, right? There's like, and I I think I'm assuming they use this in the UK, a lot of cognitive behavior therapy. Mm, And, you know, the majority of research, the early research that was done was cognitive behavior therapy. So like in the US, if it's research-based, whether it's really good or okay, that's the modality that they use. Yeah. So now we're seeing more studies with bottom-up approaches where, you know, where there's more neuroscience evidence behind, behind the changes. And so what we're realizing is it's not if we change the behavior, if we change the thoughts, we're going to change the behavior. We're, no, we're not really, we're beginning to move away from that model in the U.S., Mm-hmm. And more and more towards the systemic regulation model. We're seeing a lot more of that now. They're using things like dialectical behavior therapy, which I'm not sure if you're familiar with that. If yeah. it's something they use there, they, they do use it in the UK. Mm, yeah, yeah. So that's more of a dialectical behavior therapy. Just for your readers, is more about emotional regulation, interpersonal skills, mindfulness. And I forget what the fourth modality is, but it's those things that are move, are more focused on how do we regulate versus how do we change our thoughts to change the behavior. The thoughts will change as the body starts regulating. So mm. in the way I see it is that we have to get the brain and the body moving in the same direction because so many of our eating disorder patients, they understand what they need to do for recovery if they even want to get to recovery, right? Because that's always the eating disorder gets really loud and the recovery part of the person, you know, really struggles. But, you know, I have many clients that, that they're like, I know what I need to do. I just, my brain and my body are just moving in two different directions. So the work that I see is, okay, let's get you safe enough in your body. Let's get you to be able to tolerate those interoceptive, those inner experiences, right? Of what hunger feels like, what fullness feels like of being able to tolerate the digestive process, being able to tolerate what it feels like to have food in your stomach or being able to tolerate what it feels like to eat and not purge or being able to even feel those hunger and fullness cues. So that kind of focus and unpacking and resolving the trauma piece, in my opinion, is how we get to recovery. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm really with you because I think for a kind of, you know, a full, genuine, sustainable recovery, that deeper work is essential, isn't it? Otherwise, someone could be quite sort of stuck in a sort of partially recovered place and still be really struggling, even if they are doing slightly better from, you know, from the outside. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's what and that's been part of the issue with so many of the studies, right? They do a follow-up, especially with the cognitive behavior studies, they do a three-month follow-up or a six-month follow-up. And all they're doing is they're looking at the behavior changes. Yeah. I say, and so rather than, you know, the things that we need to be looking at, I think is the anxiety less, is the depression less, is one's ability to sense their body differently. And there's ways to measure that. We have, there's plenty of scales. We're just, we, you know, the focus has just been on something very different. A matter of fact, I had, I'm actually working on finishing up a paper to publish it. I did one of the first studies 
on somatic experiencing in a group setting mm-hmm. and it's on the effects of how it impacts one's ability somatically, you know, to have less symptoms. I'm not really explaining it well, a little, a little early here, but we got great results. And what we found is that through the somatic experiencing work, that people, patients started really sensing their bodies differently. There's a lot of trauma education and somatic experiencing. And so it gave them a new light to look at how they are and who they are rather from, you know, looking more from a trauma lens than a shame lens. Mm -hmm. So, and, and we tend not to do that. We tend to, you know, clients, eating disorder clients, there's always a shame piece that comes along with it. And so if we can show our patients that it's not their fault that they wound up here, Mm. it really changes their perceptions of who they are. I think it allows them to actually move more towards a compassionate self versus a shame-focused self. Mm. Yeah, and I'm so with you because I think there's often so much shame, isn't there, carried by someone who's struggling with an eating disorder. Oh, completely. So Eileen, if a client came to work with you, could you sort of talk us a bit through the process of how you get someone to be more in tune with their body and then being able to start to sort of shake off some of that trauma and process it? Yeah, absolutely. So the first piece of the work that I'll do with a client is really is education. And I think that by educating a client about trauma and the nervous system and its impact on eating disorders, it begins to sort of shift the client to start to see the whole experience and the evolution of their eating disorder very differently. But then the big piece of the work that I'm doing is to help them create a somatic language for their inner experiences. Because, and I'm sure you you see this with a lot of your clients, there's an inability to put words to their experiences. And there's an inability to sense the body in an accurate way. Because as we know, trauma skews our perception of our inner worlds. So by creating this somatic language and building the body as a safe container, we're able to move the client in that direction. And because eating disorder clients, like any person that's had a history of trauma, the ability to sense danger is so intense, but the ability to sense safety in accurate ways is usually offline. So we have to kind of help them to be able to create a new sense of safety and danger meters more accurately. And then a lot of the work that I'll focus on is helping them get into their bodies in with movement and being able to work with their five senses to create that safety. So there's so many different pieces. And and honestly, it's really a lot of it has to do with where the client is. I have to meet the client where they are. So it's not not necessarily a one size fit all. I think it's really important to meet the client where they are, because if I go in the wrong direction, I'm going to shut them down and they're going to sense me as danger versus that build of a safe container. Mm. Yeah. So it's really important to yeah work with where each individual is at. And I guess as well, you know, really then just tailoring the therapy and working at a pace that is sort of safe enough and manageable for them to engage Absolutely. And as you and I both know, the slower you go, the faster you're going to get there. You know, it's never about a quick fix. I really try to explain this to clients. It's like, you didn't get here overnight. Mm. 
So you can't expect to fix it overnight. And I think when the therapy is working, and I tell clients this all the time, it's not like you're going to have to think about changing the behaviors. As your nervous system regulates, you're going to organically not be doing the things that you were doing. And you're going to wake up one day and saying, oh, that's no longer an issue for me. But mm-hmm. that, that takes time and intention and focus. And that is, to me, the hardest part of this for clients is really just staying with it because it's slow. Mm-hmm. But I try to tell them, like, do you want to be fixed in six months and then back in the same place a year later? Or do you want to be 10% better? Do we want to move the dial 10 to 15% in the next period of time and then be 30% better in a year? So it's really, in my opinion, it's really about getting a client to you know, move through this healing journey. And that, you know, the healing journey is really about getting curious about your self-care and getting curious about moving your body in safe ways and being more present and really being with what that feels like. Mm, sure. And I think it is, isn't it, so challenging. I just think of many of the clients that I've worked with with eating disorders, they are often sort of permanently in this kind of hyper-stimulated state of fight and flight. And it's incredibly hard, isn't it, to sort of slow down and be more present. It actually feels quite terrifying to almost engage with yourself and your body. Yeah. And that's a really good point because what's happening is the survival physiology that's meant for acute bouts of self-defense gets stuck in the on position. Mm. And to turn that off, you can't just turn it off quickly because then what happens is you're going to have a bounce back to, as we know, deeper and, and more eating disorder behaviors. So you have to just move them out of that survival physiology really slowly, yeah. really slowly and really gently. Mm. And I guess so the eating disorder behaviors, they become the way of trying to sort of soothe or kind of regulate the nervous system, although they're maladaptive they have kind of been like a survival strategy. Is that right? To sort of, you know, when things have been really stressful, eating disorders being that kind of life raft or that thing to sort of turn to, to keep you safe. Yeah, no, that's really well said. That's exactly what happens. And so the eating disorder serves a purpose until it doesn't. Hmm. And so it's about really teaching the body other strategies that are going to be more effective in regulating the nervous system because the eating disorder behaviors, they do regulate the nervous system temporarily. Yeah. You know, you get a quick fix. So it's about teaching the body a different way to get that regulation. And I think that that's a big part of the work to really heal. Mm. Yeah, no, Absolutely. So I guess as well for anyone listening who's really recognizing that they're kind of spinning really fast on this sort of hamster wheel in sort of fight and flight and really sort of terrified of stepping off that or even beginning to sort of slow down, like what are some of the tools, I guess, that you would use with your clients to help them take that first baby step? So the first thing that needs to happen, in my opinion, and It seems so simple, but it's really quite difficult. I could spend the year just on this one thing with the client is Mm -hmm. learning how to observe yourself versus going into that spinning and that activation. So, and because once, if we can observe ourselves, we can bring ourselves more to presence. 
And the observation is, is very simple. It might be something like, I notice that I'm spinning about thoughts about what happened yesterday. I notice that I don't feel regulated. I notice that I keep walking back into the kitchen and going to the refrigerator. I notice that I want, I have my body is, is going into that urge to go into behaviors. So the observing really helps us slow things down. And to me, that's the first baby step towards recovery. And of course, there's so many things along the way. And there's, there's things that I do with mindfulness and breath work and really helping a person figure out what senses that help regulate, which senses are more dominant, and then really getting into the body and really getting into that interoceptive piece and learning how to sense the body in a more accurate way. There's, as I said, it's a slow journey, but I know that it's really effective in the long run. Yeah. So it's really important, isn't it, to engage yeah, with the long game and yeah, realize this isn't a quick fix process. Actually, if you keep chipping away, you're ultimately got a, a much better chance of really getting to, you know, true healing and coming out the other side. Absolutely. And it's really, you know, another way to look at it is it's really about rebuilding resilience. Mm-hmm. And building resilience has to happen slowly. Because we all have resilience and we all have resources, internal and external, but it's really about getting in touch with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I really like the way you just explained about one of the first steps being observing yourself. Because I think you know, so often we're just like completely overwhelmed, aren't we? And like lost in the sort of jungle of our thoughts, really. And just almost like taking that step back and noticing perhaps what's going on, being a bit curious, being a bit compassionate, you know, just taking a step back, that itself is just such a powerful first step. Yeah, it really does. It's the first step to nervous system regulation is to being able, being able to observe that way. Because the spinning, as we know, what it does is it starts, it's, you know, your danger meter is going higher and higher and higher. And as soon as your danger meter starts ramping up, your survival physiology goes into overdrive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And in terms of people learning to self-soothe, like I guess, like you said, we're all quite individual. You know, some people are going to find one thing much more soothing than another thing. And it's a very individual thing, isn't it? To start to tune in, to maybe utilize all the five senses to really understand what is personally soothing for someone. Absolutely. And it's like one of the things that I'll do with clients is over time, we'll start building a sensory toolbox. And so, you know, some people ground in touch, right? So then we'll work with textures, some people ground in sound. So we work with music and and maybe sound healing bowls and that kind of thing. Other people, you know, will, will ground more in smell. I mostly see people grounding in touch and sound, but you know, it's, so it's really, it's really, that's a discovery process. And so we start, we start creating a toolbox. So when they feel dysregulated, they can go towards these things to help regulation. It's sort of a safe way to get somebody into their body. Mm. Would people sort of perhaps experiment with different things so they learn what it is that is really personally soothing for them? Yeah, absolutely. And so we do that slowly. And it's also a way to evoke and build curiosity for them. Mm. You know, because so much, you know, we talk about the fight or flight, but there's also, as we know, when fight and flight doesn't work, 
and a lot of times there's the freeze, right? So someone going into that shutdown. And I see that a lot with eating disorder clients. They're beyond fight or flight. And generally because they've had so much chronic stress in their childhood and they didn't have the ability to defend themselves, a lot of them are in this freeze state. So bringing, you have to bring them out of that freeze state slowly and bringing them into their senses is a very non-threatening way to do that. Yeah, it sounds just like, you know, so helpful. And I think as you're sort of talking through this as well, it makes me think about something that's used in the UK a lot more at the moment is compassion focused therapy. And a huge element of that is really encouraging people to learn these self soothing techniques. And of course, to be much more compassionate and kind towards themselves to regulate the nervous system as well. Yeah, that's brilliant. It's nice to hear that over in the UK that they're moving more towards that model as well. Eileen, you have a book, don't you? Moving Beyond Trauma, The Roadmap to Healing and From Your Past and Living with Ease and Vitality. I really love the title. I think it's just so hopeful and empowering. Could you you. say a bit more about your book, please? Yeah. So the book, I wrote the book really as a way to help non-therapists really understand trauma and its impact on the nervous system. And then really to help an individual to start piecing together how their own nervous system is functioning and to be able to look at that, because if we can name it, we can work with it. And then at the end of the book, I give a series of exercises and and things that people can do to start walking on that path of their own healing journey and trying to live what I call a healing lifestyle. It's really a book written, you know, for the lay person that's been kind of trying to figure out what's going on. And they, they're like, something doesn't make sense, but I don't quite understand it. And I kind of laugh about the title because my, the original title was Stop Asking Why, What to Do When Talk Therapy is Not Working. But I didn't really want to aggravate the therapeutic world. And <laughs> <laughs> so, but the book is really to help you understand how you got got to where you are. And the, you know, it gives a little bit of the basics of stress physiology. And I give some case studies in there, but it's really, it really does help explain this piece of trauma and how it's impacting our mental health and our nervous system. Mm. Okay. Well, no, it's wonderful to hear. And I love the way it sounds as though it's written in a way that it's very accessible that anyone could sort of pick it up who hasn't got much experience maybe and really get some understanding and a sense of what you're talking about with trauma and how to sort of overcome that or begin to overcome that. Yes. And that was very well said. And it is available on Amazon. So and I have it in audio and paperback and digital. So options if, you know, for anyone that wants it. Mm. Okay, that's wonderful to hear. And I know you've already talked, Eileen, about some of the research you're doing, but is there anything else that you wanted to mention about your research? Um, Well, yeah. No, you know, just the paper's just coming out and we're just working on getting it published. But, you know, it's just really showing the value of these body based therapeutic modalities and its impact on eating disorders. Mm. So, you know, I'm really pretty excited about it. Sure. Yeah. Well, no, it's wonderful to hear. And I think, you know, I'm very excited to hear that too, because I think it's only when we have that research that it actually kind of filters through into the health system. And then these treatments become sort of part of the standard package of treatment. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, it's interesting. I do want to mention this. So what I did was I developed a 10 week course and that's for the somatic experiencing 10 week course. And that's what I did. I used 
for the research. So, you know, at some point there will be, I'm actually considering doing an online class for trauma healing and eating disorders or just simply trauma healing, you know, I haven't quite gotten there yet. Sure. So that's your next upcoming project. <laughs> yeah. 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 Lots of projects. <laughs> yeah. You sound like you're pretty busy already, but um... yeah, I'm a little busy. <laughs> <laughs> so Eileen, where can people find you if they want to find out more about the work you're doing? Yeah. Where can people find you? So they can go to my website, which is EileenSmith.com. And Eileen is I-L-E-N-E Smith.com or Instagram Eileen Smith Healing. And you know, you can always reach out to me or if you have any questions and DM me there or just send me an email. Okay, lovely. Well, I'll make sure, Eileen, that all that info is in the show notes because I'm sure people will want to perhaps get in touch or just find out, you know, more about what you're doing. Great. Thank you so much. Yeah, well, I'd just really like to thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I think, you know, it's just such an important part of treatment, isn't it, to be talking about trauma, to be kind of working more from the bottom up and to just be hearing more about how someone might go about that, you know, if they were sort of thinking about embarking on this journey. So thank you so much for, you know, sharing all your wisdom and insight. I really appreciate it. Great. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate this conversation and getting the word out there to the eating disorder community and people that are really struggling. So I hope you enjoyed this conversation just as much as I did. And do go and check out all of Eileen's info in the show notes. If you're not following me already, do seek me out on Instagram at the eating disorder therapist. And I just want to flag, I do have a course, online course, 10 steps to intuitive eating. It's got videos and lectures and email support from me, a really affordable way to get support with your relationship with food if you're already on that recovery journey. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd be so grateful if you'd follow, rate and review the podcast as it helps it reach so many more listeners. Thank you so much for listening today and I look forward to sharing another podcast episode with you very soon. Mm -hmm.